This is Witness Radio with Ryan Muniak, where you learn biblical evangelism from real-life encounters. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. Our feedback line is 513-900-8070, and the website is witnesstalkradio.org. Don't forget to subscribe to Witness Radio on your favorite podcast app. This episode of Witness Radio is brought to you by Audible. I know you like listening to stuff because you're listening to me right now. So go to witnesstalkradio.org slash audible and sign up for a free audiobook and 30-day trial today. My guest for this episode is Dr. Charles Ware, the president of Crossroads Bible College in Indianapolis, Indiana. He's also a board member for the Association of Baptists for World Evangelism, the Association for Biblical Higher Education, Anchors Away, and he's on the advisory board for the Biblical Counseling Coalition. Dr. Ware has several works under his belt, including books like One Race, One Blood, and Ferguson, How Should the Church Respond? Dr. Ware, thank you so much for being on the show today. Well, thank you, Ryan. It's a great time. 2017, we get another year to serve the living God. Amen. And today, one of the main reasons I have you on the show is, well, it's Black History Month, and a lot of racial tensions have arisen in previous years. And I'm hoping that you would be able to shed some light on that topic and be able to help us uh, steer through the muddy waters of American culture uh, and how to best share the gospel in this society today. Well, I hope I can contribute something to it. It's, uh, what's happened in my life has totally been by the grace of God, but we are excited that, yeah, God has given me experience in that arena. Oh, wonderful. So, Dr. Ware, why don't you start off by telling us how the Lord saved you? Yeah, a bit. <laughs> that's exciting since it's Black History Month. You know, <clears throat> I was uh, a senior in 1968. That was the year Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated. Robert Kennedy was assassinated. I was in a school that probably was about 90-something percent white in, in uh, New York State. And um, I had served on the student council as a, fresh, as a freshman. I was uh, president of my class as a sophomore, vice president of student council as a junior, president of student council as a senior. I had played three varsity sports, lettered in three varsity sports, but I was an empty man looking for meaning. And um, interesting thing is that I was heard the gospel when, as far as I can remember it when I was in seventh grade in a Sunday school class, and, and a white um, uh, Sunday school teacher taught from First John five, uh, thirteen and fourteen. These things that were written unto you that you might know that you have eternal life. And he was pushing the gospel. Christ, death, burial, resurrection, that we might know that we have eternal life. And I walked out of that class, and I asked a friend of mine who was there, I said, what do you think about what that guy said? And he said, well, what do you mean? I said, that guy said you can know you're going to heaven before you die. And my friend said, well, I really don't know. you know." And I said, well, i tell you what I think. I think nobody knows they're going to heaven before they die. And I also think that everybody's sinned. I mean, I look at the kids in the Sunday school class. I'm thinking, well, they're going to heaven. I'm going to heaven. I'm just as good as they are. <laughs> and um, then I came to the conclusion that uh, what God had to do <clears throat> was what a a teacher would do in school. If everybody flunked the test, they wouldn't flunk us all. They'd throw a curve. And, and you may have gotten 65, but that was the highest grade. So it might bump you up to a 90. So I thought that's the way God's going to do it. So in seventh grade, I actually changed my life so that I'd be better off in the curve. I thought I was going to heaven for that reason. 
Mm. By the time I got to be a senior, I decided that being good wasn't fun. And so I began to sin according to my own, my own patterns. Now, it was in 1968 in, in a tragic situation with um, my father figure in my younger life. He and my mom was never married. But uh, my stepfather, they, they got in an argument, and my stepfather shot and killed this other gentleman in my home mm. when I was a senior in high school. So that sort of like burst my bubble. And two white men came to my house on a Monday night. And at my door asked me if I died, where would I go to spend eternity? And at that time, I'd blown my own curve. And I told them, if God is just, I go to hell. And they said, have you ever heard that you know you're going to heaven? And I remember that Sunday school class from seventh grade. And in fact, one of the gentlemen there that evening talking to me was the son of the Sunday school teacher who had taught that class. <laughs> and they came into my living room, took me through the Romans Road, uh, all of sin that comes short of the glory of God, but but uh, the wages of sin is death, and and then but um, God commended His love toward us, and that while we yet sinners, Christ died for us. And Ryan, I want to tell you that Monday night in my living room, I believed on Jesus Christ, and I've never been the same since. In fact, we got up and went and played ball, and and I wound up getting baptized in that church, the first black person to join that church, my mama said, you look like a fly on a bowl of milk. But uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ had changed my life, and I'm, I'm here now still serving the living King. Amen. That's a wonderful testimony. And how wonderful it was that God put in place someone who went to you. You know, you were in church, but you fell out of there, you weren't saved in there, and God still, he He wanted to save you, so he sent people to you to share the gospel with you, and then you were saved. Praise God. Amen. That's powerful, Ryan, because, um, you know, the gentleman that, there was a new guy came into town, part-time church youth, uh, youth pastor, and he stirred the young people up. Who can we go and see and, and, and give them the gospel? And, and one of my friends I played sports with, he mentioned my name. And uh, so when the youth director came over to pick him up to visit my house that night, as, as, I, as they tell me about it, the, the young person had, had said, I don't know, he won't get saved. And the youth pastor said, no, let's go. But I want to tell you, that night God had my heart so ready, I had to follow anybody, I think. But, um, but God had prepared me, and they came. And I thank God for it. Mm. And both of them was white, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. That's a great testimony in and of itself to show that the gospel knows no boundaries. You know, Amen. White, black, male, female, Jew, Gentile, it doesn't matter. The gospel is for everybody. Amen, brother. You got it. So, Dr. Ware, let me ask, after your salvation, what brought you into the ministry world? What what led you to where you are today, being the president of a Bible college? You know, that's a great question, because, you know, after God saved me, my life so dramatically changed. I mean, one of the things I was looking for was inner peace and purpose. And I had accomplished a lot of things in a small school setting that the world said would give me that. But, but the more I got, the more alone I felt the more empty I felt. And I thought there must be something more to life. And so when I came to Christ, he, he dramatically changed my life and gave me a sense of fulfillment. And I just started 
you know, witnessing to friends, sharing testimonies in church, and just trying to be a servant of God. And and God kind of miraculously directed me to um, uh, then Baptist Bible College Summit University now in Clark Summit, Pennsylvania. Now, I was praying for God where to go now. I was scholarshiped. I had I'd applied to three secular schools. I had scholarships and grants at three secular schools. And um, God laid on my heart to go to a Bible college of 200 students. And I remember praying about that. that was not, now, remember, this is 1968. And I, 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 I remember saying to God, are you sure you want me to go to Pennsylvania? I mean, the Ku Klux Klan may be down there in them hills. Mm. And... Um, but God burdened my heart to go, and I, I got, I was on, there was two African Americans there. Uh, one was a girl. She was there one semester. She left, and then we had a, had about three, I think, um, Jamaicans or so. So anyway, God sent me there, but the burden was just to share my testimony. Now, here's what I told God as he was working in my heart and changed me, and I, I went to, to Bible college, not knowing that I was going to be in ministry. And in, in fact, all I would know is just God wants me to go. But I remember saying to God, I will travel the world and eat sardines and crackers. Now, you got to understand, I hate sardines. <laughs> My mom, when we were migrant workers, we'd be in the field, she'd get sardines out, and those little fish in oil, I almost wanted to throw up. <laughs> but I told God, I'll eat sardines and crackers and talk to people one-on-one, -on -one, but don't ever ask me to stand before people and preach. <laughs> Well, God doesn't take counsel that well. Right. <laughs> so he called me into preaching. Yeah. He called me into preaching, and, and I began to do that and uh, went to Bible college. And I, I, I went in 68, and I think it was 71. I was with a group of students who started a church, a church plant in Scranton, Pennsylvania. That's the way I got involved in ministry, and, and we were there seven years and then went to Washington, D.C., and uh, took a church there and started a Christian school there. And then 20, 25, going on 26 years ago, God called me to be the president of Crossroads Bible College. And um, I tell people it's, 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 a one, it's a wonderful life just knowing and serving the living God. That's very neat. So you were saved back in 1968. And like you had mentioned, that was the year that MLK Jr. was assassinated. Yeah. What was what was society like back then? I mean, I, I'm only 32. I was born in the 80s, so I, I can't even <laughs> fathom what it was like back in the 60s. Oh, yeah. 60s was quite a time in the history of the U.S. We had cities on fire, a lot of racial tension, backlash. We had the um, Black Panthers armed themselves in their neighborhood to actually protect themselves against the police. Um, we had uh, the war in Vietnam. We had a lot of disturbance, a lot of, um, you know, just the media bought out the, the the clashes, especially down south and then north too in Chicago and different places where they had marches. But um, the dogs were let loose on the kids in the south, and, and it was just a... A, a real hotbed. A lot of a lot of um, laws uh, was challenged. That was civil rights struggle, and uh, you know you had your, your segregated um, uh, hotels and, and places. You go, blacks go here, whites go there, um, type things was being fought fought through at that time. So, so yeah, it was it was 
quite a turbulent time as far as race relations. Hmm. You know, when you were describing life in the 60s, a lot of it sounded very similar to what we've been seeing in recent years, ever since the Ferguson, Missouri situation mm-hmm. and, and all the situations following that. Well, it, it has some similarities, but uh, I like to remind people we've come a long way uh, since the 60s, even though some people don't want to acknowledge that. I, I think a, a lot of people's views are different. Uh, even in the 60s, you had a lot of whites um, fighting for the, for the rights of, of, uh, of blacks, so on and so forth. But the degree to which segregation and, um, and injustice could be perpetrated with silence in the 60s compared to now, there's a there's a huge difference. A lot of the philosophical thinking of people have changed greatly now. Tensions are there, things are underneath, um, progress is needed. But um, I tell people, no, I lived through the 60s, and, and I know things are better in many ways now. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that's good to hear. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you hear all over the the news media that things are just so bad, and you know they just play on that because they want the ratings. But it's good to hear that someone who lived back in the '60s and saw all that you and 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 other people with dark skin color went through. You know, it's good to hear that things are better in spite of what we hear today in the media. Well, yeah, I mean, it definitely. I mean, you just just think of certain things. You you just think if you, if you go back to the 60s and you pull up TVs and leaders and all of that, um, you'd be hard-pressed finding the amount of, of people of color in uh, high political positions, you know, not not even the, definitely the president of the United States, but, um, but in Congress and in, in other places of leadership and police work in the sports that you know um you got quarterbacks who are who are who are black you got coaches who are black i mean a lot of those things was not i mean they were not there especially not to the degree they are now uh in the 60s and uh laws were, were still on the books um that uh, supported um uh legal segregation and and um so 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 you know we've come a long way now i don't I don't say that we don't have problems today. We do have problems, but I do think that that some of the ways we try to address them aggravates the situation rather than leading to um, what I would call biblical solutions. Mm, And I agree with that. Well, going back to ministry for a few moments, being a gentleman of dark skin, have you had any hardships that you faced in your ministry? (laughs) Well... Brian, you said you you're only 32. Well, uh, my wife is white. We got married in, in 1973. Now, if you could if you could flashback or maybe just study yourself, go back and study yourself a little history. Uh, interracial marriage wasn't exactly popular right. back in uh, 1973, even in the church. And um, and and we faced we faced some some challenges. Uh, and I would say we face more challenges within the church than we did in society at at at, at large. And um, I, I never forget, um, even from just a ministry point of view, when I took the uh, pastor, I mean the presidency of Crossroads Bible College, and we wanted to get it better known, so we started newsletters. And I remember getting a phone call 
from a gentleman who's wanted to know. I mean, he he, he obviously didn't even know I was black. He knew hmm. this was a Bible college, and and um, so he 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 began to chastise the secretary, and she said, oh, "You need to talk to this guy." I got on the phone. I think for about five minutes, he wouldn't let me say a word, but he was lecturing me on what was I doing bringing blacks and whites together in a Bible college. What would I do if if you didn't know? He said, if you got a daughter, what are you going to do if your daughter uh, want to marry one of those black black men? You know, no, this stuff's in the world. Well, now we're bringing it into our, our Baptist churches, he said. Hmm. You know, and, and when he paused, he wanted to know what I was trying to do. He said, what I'm, what I'm trying to do is train Christians to reach the world for Christ. <laughs> you know, so we had, we've had that. We've had a situation where a nice um, uh, pastor friend of ours wanted us to, as a family to go down to Florida and, and his, his brother had had owned um, um, like a condo apartment and then he wanted ministry people to go down there and get a break. So we drove 18 hours and we get there. I, I get in bed. My kids go out playing, swimming. Then my pastor friend from Indiana calls and says, we got a problem. I said, what's the problem? He said, well, how many of you are there? I said, well, it's eight of us total. He said, well, only six can be in a a condo, they said. I said, oh, that's no problem. I'll get a uh, a hotel for my wife and I because it's a great vacation. He said, oh, that's not the problem. He said, the real problem is the people saw your kids and they're black and they don't want you in there. So he said, just just hang on. We'll handle this. Well, what, 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 what happened, he wound up getting us a, his brother wound up getting us a, um, uh, an Oceanside uh, uh, condo, <laughs> so we were, we were like in a resort area, mm. living high. But my kids to this day remember that those white people ran us out of that um, place. But we have a lot of illustrations to that nature. But at the same time, I have the I have illustrations of the grace of God um, triumphing over that for His glory. Amen. Okay, so now you're the president of Crossroads Bible College. Yes. Who would benefit from going to Crossroads Bible College? I mean, who's it for? You know, like, okay. she- obviously, chefs don't go to dental school. <laughs> well, let me give you a, let me give you a couple couple scenarios, two or three scenarios. One of the things I think Crossroads Bible College would be great for is a student who is headed to secular university, but really want to get themselves grounded. Uh, There's one family that require all of their students, all of their children to spend one year in Bible college. Their oldest son spent a year with us, then got a full ride from a secular school, then got a full ride from from Dartmouth, and is now a medical doctor. But I never forget that he sent me a um, uh, uh, email when he was at Dartmouth. He said, Dr. Ware, this is just a bunch of philosophers up here. I am so thankful for the grounding I got at Crossroads because it enables me to stand and defend my faith in an environment like Dartmouth. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, stats are telling us that um, 80 to 90% of young people uh, deny their faith after going to a secular university. Mm-hmm. And so we can try to mitigate against that in the solid biblical view. But then beyond that, we have people who come to us for leadership. We have a, a, a an organizational leadership major, and my daughter got that. She's working in a secular in, environment. Her, her job actually paid for it. She got an advancement for it. Um, we got a, a graduate working with uh, 
police, Indianapolis Metropolitan Police Department. Um, so it goes around, but, but then many come. Biblical counseling is one of our big majors, pastoral ministries, um, and under leadership, they can get into youth ministry and, 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 and things like that. But um, one year, I think it would be good for anybody who just want a good, solid, biblical worldview in a multi-ethnic environment, uh, which is what we push with training Christian leaders to reach a multi-ethnic urban world for Christ. But um, we got graduate, graduates kind of spread around a lot of places. Okay. Oh, another thing, it's good for people who want to go on the seminary. We got a lot of come and get the undergraduate here and, and successfully go to like Dallas Theological Seminary, Southwestern Seminary, uh, so so yeah, great place to get a good root, good grounding in the scriptures in a multi-ethnic environment. Okay, and what type of accredited degrees do you guys offer? Associates, bachelors? Yeah, we have a, uh, we have a, a, a two-year associates degree and and four-year bachelor's degrees. And by the way, these degrees can be taken. Our degrees can be taken online. All of them can be taken wholly online as well. Oh, okay. And where do they go to find out more information about Crossroads? Well, that's uh, www.crossroads.edu. Okay, crossroads.edu. Yes. And another area that you are where you're a board member is the uh, Biblical Counseling Coalition. Now, what's the difference between that and the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors or Nuthetic Counseling, NANC Counselors? Well, basically, they all have the um, same foundation, but what, what the Biblical Counseling Coalition did was, was bring together a group that had similar foundation, the same foundational beliefs, but they were kind of splintered and separated from one another. So what, what has happened is these groups have been brought together and, and now working more together. In fact, the um, uh, uh, Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, Heath Lambert is president of that, but he comes to our council meetings. Um, uh, Biblical Counseling Coalition is, is a part of that, and, and we even share some of our conferences. We share information and try to bring some of them together. So, so here's a group. And that's one of our majors here at uh, at, at uh, Crossroads Bible College. Biblical counseling is, is one of our majors. But here's a group who believes in the sufficiency of the scriptures and believe in the um, biblical worldview of humanity, fallen sinners in need of the grace of God, ministered by the Spirit of God as we use the Word of God to conform people to the image of the Son of God. So then there are basically just two associations that are uh, similar. They just, so they, they work together. Yeah. What you got is Biblical Counseling Coalition brings together groups like the Associated um, Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, bring groups like that together and other groups with similar beliefs. So, so that they've come into a partnership. Okay. Now I understand. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, it, it's uh it was quite a move of God. I was at one of their early meetings, and it's been a wonderful, wonderful journey getting to know one another and um, and uh, laboring together for the kingdom. Okay. That's wonderful. I know I, I have tremendous respect for biblical counselors, and I hope to one day be able to go through all of that training and be able to offer it myself. 
I would encourage you to do that. And that's one of the, by the, by the way, that, that's one of the degrees you could get at uh, Crossroads Bible College online. Might be something I'll have to look into. You're listening to Witness Radio. Do you enjoy listening to Witness Radio? Would you like to help us continue making great content for you? Then please visit witnesstalkradio.org slash audible and sign up for a free 30-day trial of Audible. You'll get a free audiobook of your choice, and you'll be supporting this show. Need a suggestion? How about Raising Godly Children in an Ungodly World by Ken Ham and Steve Ham? It doesn't cost you a dime, but it's a huge help to us, and you get a free audiobook out of the deal. So go to witnesstalkradio.org audible and start your free trial today. Imagine Jesus walking onto your local college campus. What would he say? Would he be like Matthew chapter 9, seeing the people harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd? And say, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. At Christian Collegiate Network, we are sending workers into the harvest. We are training students how to proclaim the glorious gospel. If you want to support our ministry at Christian Collegiate Network by becoming a campus leader or financially, go to changeyourcampus.com. You know you should read your Bible every day, but things just seem to get in the way. How would you like it if someone else did the reading for you? Bible 365 is a new podcast that reads your daily dose of scripture for you. There's no annoying chapter breaks to distract you or personal commentary to confuse you. Just listen to God's Word on Bible 365 and you'll get through the whole Bible in one year. Go to muniacfamily.com slash Bible 365 or find Bible 365 on your favorite podcast app. The children of Lima, Peru face many difficulties. Hunger, neglect, abuse, and most importantly, a lack of the gospel. Heart of Christ Ministries seeks to bring the gospel and to fulfill the other needs of the children. Please consider partnering with us. You can sponsor a child for just $25 a month, and there are many other ways to help. Please visit hofcm.org. You're listening to Witness Radio. Welcome back to Witness Radio. Remember, go to witnesstalkradio.org for more episodes and information about the show. And today we are talking with Dr. Ware, the president of Crossroads Bible College. And he has a book that we're actually going to give away uh, after this episode. It's called One Race, One Blood. He wrote it with Ken Ham, the founder of Answers in Genesis. And it addresses the issue of racism. And we know if you've not been living under a rock for the past five years, you know that there has been tremendous racial tensions in America. And Dr. Ware, I'm hoping he will be able to shed some light on how we can address the racial issue and how we can shine the light of the gospel into the dark world that we're in today. So Dr. Ware, why don't you tell us a little bit about the book, One Race, One Blood. Yes, I was privileged to write that book with Ken Ham from Answers in Genesis. And and um, we, we wrote the book wanting to give a biblical perspective of the whole discussion of race relations in, in the U.S. And, and the argument of the book basically is that all human beings come uh, from one. That's Adam and Eve. So we are really one race because we we have one common beginning, that is Adam. And that when we are saved as believers, we become one blood. In a sense, you can say a new race because we're now Christians adopted into the family of God. 
And so we go back and look at the history of racism, and and particularly the book uh, takes on uh, Darwinian evolution and the concept of the survival of the fittest and, and how do you give dignity to life and um, show the way uh, that um, knowledge applied to social issues in life, such as race relations, uh, have caused much damage over the years and challenge people to come back to a biblical view uh, that we have dignity because we were created in the image of God. And I speak in the book about what I call grace relations rather than race relations. And uh, the grace of God can can cause the church, in obedience to the word of God, to demonstrate before a watching world uh, that we can handle the tough issues and come to loving conclusions and be united for the glory of God and the advancement of, of his kingdom. Okay. And now before the break, you had mentioned that there was a lot of racial tension and racial issues within the church uh, as you were yes. coming up through through the decades. And Where do you think the church got this idea that white people and black people are not equal? Well, you know, we, we, go, we go in that in the book because you got – Two sources. One is what I call a misinterpretation of the text of Scripture led to a misapplication of the text of Scripture, which led to a misdirection of the church. And you've got things like people teaching that, that Ham was burnt or black. Black people came from Ham. That's one of uh, Noah's three sons. And, and that that Ham, Hamites were cursed and, and to be uh, servants. And that was black people, and so that gave the the right to to keep black people in a position of servitude and cause scriptures on slavery. And the big ones in the 60s when I was coming up was that interracial marriage is sinful, and so you need to keep people segregated in communities and churches uh, lest they be tempted to violate God's so-called law against interracial marriage. And and a lot of it, though, if you follow the tracking of some of the things that was taught, um, and I mean, there was one time where, and these was few, not many, but the so-called Christians said they didn't have to preach the gospel to black slaves because they didn't have souls because in the evolutionary uh, um, uh, track, they were somewhere between humans and apes. Mm. And so you get this mixture in there and you get the history of our country and and it was based upon the white supremacy. Like you think about this, Ryan, how come the president of the United States is considered black or African American, whatever term I ain't arguing people about terms, but how how come how come his mother is white? Well, you say, Well, I mean I mean why well, our history we as a country said that uh one drop of South Saharan um African blood makes a person black African, and whenever they're a so-called uh, mixed-race child, a mulatto child, they went down to the inferior race. They never said, oh, your mother's white, your father's white. Also, you're part of the white race. No, because they were trying to protect the purity of the white race, which is evolutionary in and of itself. Mm-hmm. So so we've created all these laws and, and situations Nothing to do with genetics, nothing to do with DNA, nothing to do with biological science, but culturally created under the concept of a superior and inferior race of people. You know, it's interesting when you were just talking there about uh, 
keeping the the white race pure and everything, it reminded me of stuff that Hitler said back in the mm. 40s regarding the Jewish people. Well, you're definitely right there. I mean, Hitler used Jews um, and and he was the super race, going to be Germans, and he had to rid um, a society of the inferior people, which are Jews and, and, and blacks and people with disability. And, you know, so he took it to a, 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 a level of extreme, you know, which people say, how, how does this stuff happen? And I say, well, that's another reason I believe the Bible, because the Bible tells me that, that we are fallen, sinful human beings. And you can look at genocide, whether it's in, in Rwanda, Hutus and Tutsis, uh, um, whether it's in Cameroon or uh, uh, you know, it doesn't doesn't really matter in Germany, but there's a there's a there's an ability of human beings to devalue the life of other human beings and do the most despicable, heinous acts against them with seemingly no conscience to what they're doing. And um, so so yeah, that it's a it's a dark stain on history that we have to live with. Mm. Going back to the book one race one blood how how does this book assist christians in today's day and age you know addressing the black lives matter blue lives matter all lives matter and, and all of that stuff <laughs> well that's a big issue there we can't even begin a conversation about it in the <laughs> church we talk past one another which is which is horrible but i think what the book does is one it exposes the fallacy of so-called different races. There's only one race, a human race, and we should have love and compassion for a person simply because they were created in the image of God. It's number one. Uh, And it shows some of the evolutionary roots of that and also shows how the Bible was misinterpreted and and used to to, uh, put people on a lower class, so to speak. But then what we what we go for, what we drive for in there is, is a good biblical view and call for repentance of, of personal if you got personal things in your heart or life if you're allowing the stereotypes of media to put you in a us and them category uh, you need to repent of that and and get a more biblical view of people and and we encourage people to get the biblical view see people as god sees them and take the initiative to create relationships and understanding um we had a um we had a uh, forum here, well, a class I teach with another, I taught with another professor called Culture, Race, and the Church. And I think it was in November, as the last class, we invited IMPD, representatives of IMPD, that's our local police um, force, and our students and some people from the community. And we, we were discussing injustice in the community and how can we work together for a solution. It's not them and us, it's us and us. How can we help police to get rid of bad officers? How can we help citizens affirm and get to know uh, officers who are doing what God put them here to do? And that's to be a terror to evildoers and a praise to those who do good. So so with the grace concept, even with all that's going on in the society and the fear and the anger, the church should be a safe, loving place where we labor together to see God's will in our communities. That's rooting out evil and bringing righteousness to bear. And we have to do it together. Mm. Black, white, red, yellow, law enforcement, citizens, 
God intended us for us to do it together, and we have to labor, and I think the church has to lead the way into getting beyond the broad brush strokes. You know, every police shooting of an African-American that had to be racist almost comes off that way. Um, you know, or every police officer would never do anything like that. I mean, we've got to just do our homework to get our facts and definitely support government because God has ordained it. We don't want to live in a, in a society where there is no law enforcement. And, and um, so we, we really labor towards that end, you know, what, what's – if if there's unrighteousness and injustice here, we want to speak against it with a unified voice across ethnic boundaries and um, see the will of God done in our communities. Amen. One thing that comes to my mind is the possibility of reverse racism, term that I've uh, coined. Would you say that there's such a thing as reverse racism where uh, instead of majorities oppressing minorities, there's now the minorities are oppressing the majorities, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it does. And and I know that, that some will say, no, there's not such a thing because minorities don't have the power um, to to make that happen. Um, but it, it, r- r- racism, biblically, is respect of persons. And um, and and what what socially is people apply to it's it's uh, injustice uh, imposed upon uh, people by people in power. Now here's 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 the thing. I spoke in a church and a white gentleman came up afterward to talk to me. I spoke on this issue. He's really frustrated. He says I'm a supervisor, and it's it was in some type of plant. Um, um, you know, just, you know, it's like, all right, so I got a person there. All they're doing is making orders. They need to count the orders and write down how many was coming through. Said the person wasn't counting right. The person's uh, uh, work was bad. He said, I tried to address it, so I'm called a racist. Well, I think that there sometimes are laws that may have had well intentions result in when they're applied they're, they and in unfairness say to to whites uh what we're talking about here and i also think that from a heart standpoint of view there are certain there are some minorities who who would um i don't trust white people i don't want to be around white people if i can get a law or something to, to put a white person down i want to do that so so i would say that is there i was i remember once when i had a meeting this was a long 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 time ago bought some black and whites together in Washington, D.C. area to talk about reconciliation. And after all the whites left, two, two, three black brethren was there, and they told me, don't waste your time talking to Sam Ballots and Tobias. You're on the wall doing a great work. Don't come down. That's Nehemiah, of course. And I said, hey, brother, wait a minute. Sam Ballot and Tobias, they would be unsaved people. I'm not talking to unsaved people. I'm talking to Christians, and they just exhorted me, no, don't waste your time. Well, in a sense, you say, well, if they had the power, they could, they would segregate and do whatever. But, but to me, the heart was wrong. And mm-hmm. so I can, I can definitely see perceptions being wrong, minorities having wrong, ill-informed perceptions of whites and wishing them ill. And if they had the power, they would also perpetrate that ill. Wow. Well, we are. Yeah, it's an interesting time in which we live, right? Yeah. You know, we're very quickly coming to the end of our time together. One last question regarding racism. How can we use the topic of skin color or racism 
to share the gospel with others? Great question. That's why I like to talk about grace, grace relations rather than race relations. The grace, the grace perspective tells me that we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. In fact, quickly here, I had a gentleman call once when I was on the talk show, white Aryan, white supremacist, and he said, we know where black people, and we know where white people came from. They came from Adam. We don't even know where black people came from. So what do you guess got to say about that? I said, what I say about that is the Bible's clear in Romans 5, wherefore it's by one man, that was Adam, sin into the world and death by sin. If, if only white people came from Adam, then only white people are sinners, I guess. <laughs> we ought to stop that conversation. But, but the issue is that we're all sinners, and there's one solution. His name is Jesus Christ. He came, he died, he buried, and when we get saved, we're part of the family of God. That's the gospel. So I think that what we need to do, you take Paul's statement in 1 Corinthians 9 with, um, with evangelism. He became all things to all men in order that he might win some. I think we need to apply that to the cultural differences. And, 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 and it is cultural because the black raised in Harlem is different than a black raised in a farm in Iowa. Their culture is different. Same thing with whites. But we need to take time to learn something about the culture and intentionally create relationships with the concept of demonstrating the love of Christ to be able to give the gospel of Christ and see people saved. And some people say, well, that can't happen. Well, you would probably say that Saul couldn't be saved and become a Paul, but grace triumphed in Saul's life. And so he can, and we won't win everybody. My motto is, it's 1 Corinthians 9, it, it, Paul said, in order that I might save some, one, we won't win everybody, but we can win some, and we need to get about it for the glory of God. Amen. Well, Dr. Ware, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Very quickly, where can people go for more information about you or to contact you for more questions? Yep, cross, crossroads.edu. We are working on having our website uh, uh, upgraded here in the next few months, and and ultimately there will be a, uh, a president's page where we get more. But that, go there for now, drop me a line, send me something, and uh, we'll be glad to interact when we can. Okay, so they can go to crossroads.edu to contact yes. you, and while they're there, they can find out more about the college and maybe start a class. Amen, brother. Okay. It's the Word of God that's going to make the difference. I agree completely. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Ware, for being on the show. And uh, to the listeners, in honor of Dr. Ware's interview and in honor of Black History Month, we're going to give away a free copy of One Race, One Blood from Masterbooks. So sign up on the giveaway page at witnesstalkradio.org, and you have until February 28th, 2017, to enter that contest. So thank you all for listening to another episode of Witness Radio. Visit witnesstalkradio.org to find the show notes and leave feedback. Don't forget to join us on social media and share this episode with your friends. And now that the show is over, it's time for you to go. That is, to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel. May God bless you. This show has been a production of the Muniac family. Please pray for us as we continue to minister in the tri-state area and around the globe with Christ-centered programs.